This podcast is brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit vinzero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From Vinzero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to Vinzero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Jen Carson has a Master's in Carbon Management and a Bachelor of Sciences in Geography from the University of Edinburgh and is a Chartered Environmentalist and member of the Energy Institute. Today, as the Head of Industry for Climate Group, Jen is leading the global program Strategy and Growth for Climate Group's Steel Zero and Concrete Zero initiatives bringing her decade-long experience of working in the sustainability sector to accelerate decarbonisation. She joins us today to share the importance of decarbonising these building materials. Welcome to the program, Jen. Thank you very much. So, Jen, the Climate Group is working with businesses to address carbon emissions of heavy industries, steel and concrete. For those that are not familiar with the Climate Group, can you share a brief overview of your organisation? Yes, absolutely. Um, very happy to do so. And thank you again for having us um, on the podcast. So Climate Group was founded nearly two decades ago, um, back in 2004. And I have colleagues sitting across London, Amsterdam, New York, Delhi and Beijing. And our mission is to drive climate action faster. So we're doing that with only 150 of us, so quite a small NGO for everything that we're working on, working with around 500 leading businesses and corporates across the world to look at private sector commitments to procure or buy 100% renewable energy, 100% electric fleets, energy efficiency and deep actions in that space, and most recently, our steel and concrete work that's really looking at private sector commitments to build net zero and near zero materials for those two streams into their projects going forward and their pipelines of different infrastructure or construction sector activity. The second area that we work in is with around 250 regional and state actors under our under two coalition. And this is where policy decision makers at that sub-national level are really taking forward climate action and building that into their decision making. And then thirdly, we bring these two different powerful interfaces together, so the business and the policy, to really create that deep collaboration and actually enact that on-the-ground business model development and sub-national policy making. And why is it so important for steel and concrete industries to decarbonise? That's a really good question. Together, the production of steel and concrete contributes to around 15% of global annual carbon emissions. So that's the same as the entirety of road transport, also accounting for 15% of emissions. So with just these two material streams, you can really see that there's a huge problem to tackle. And if we don't decarbonize these two sectors, we lose the chance to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. So it's fundamental that we have well-functioning decarbonized steel and concrete industries. We know they're the bedrock of what modern society uses to construct buildings, bridges, railways. So they're also an essential enabler of the energy transition itself with regards to wind turbines and solar panels, transmission and distribution infrastructure. So from a variety of different angles is really central to taking forward our successful sustainability transition. 
So breaking it down, the difference between concrete zero and steel zero, if we talk about steel zero, what is it and what, if any, difference is there between net zero steel and green steel? This is excellent question, really going to right at the heart of some of the issues that, that we work on. So that terminology and definitions around the near net zero and the green steel, low emission steel. I was at the World Steel Association's inaugural open forum earlier this week, and this topic was really front and center of the discussions. So firstly, what is Steel Zero? We're a global initiative that's bringing together forward-looking organizations on the demand side. So users, procurers, specifiers, consumers of steel to really support and speed up the transition to a net zero steel industry. And how are we doing that? So organizations are making a very specific commitment that has both a long-term and importantly, a short-term target. So there's a public commitment to procure 100% net zero steel by 2050, and then a 50% target by 2030 to procure or specify low embodied carbon steel. Really setting that pathway immediately to then be able to hit that 2050 target. And crucially, we're working in partnership with Responsible Steel, so the industry's first global multi-stakeholder standard and certification, really to ensure and speak to that independent credibility and assurance work that we're taking forward, as well as others, SBTI, Mission Possible Partnership, to bring together an ecosystem that's looking to take forward um, and consolidate action around those two different terms that you mentioned, the net zero and green steel. So the net zero is talking specifically to carbon emissions and the embodied emissions within the materials, whereas green quite naturally speaks to a broader sense of the term. So not just carbon emissions, but also the wider sustainability conversation. So biodiversity, water use, nature recovery, a much wider and comprehensive holistic approach. So another reason that we work with responsible steel in this instance and also talks to that difference between net zero steel and green steel is that responsible steel the standard and certification is not just talking to greenhouse gas emissions and embodied carbon but importantly talks to the wider environmental social and governance criteria that are involved in responsible steel production and manufacturing and so here we're talking to human rights biodiversity water and the wider spectrum of different activities and responsibilities that organizations will be incorporating into their work. Is steel different to that in terms of the types of materials you can use to go through the production process of steel to reduce emissions? That's a really interesting question and does highlight um, somewhat of a difference between the steel and concrete markets. For steel production, there's essentially two different routes primary steel and secondary steel. And by that, it's the proportion of iron ore and then the proportion of existing steel that can be melted down and reformed. So what we call scrap steel. Those are the two key ingredients as well as a portion of carbon itself. So there are two different production processes that need to be decarbonized. Primary steel making inherently, because it uses a higher proportion of iron ore, needs to have that iron mined and then processed in the first place. So it has a higher embodied carbon and requires much higher temperatures. 
So this is where we need to see a transition from current coal um, and other fossil fuel sources to technologies such as hydrogen to decarbonize that primary production route. Whereas the secondary production of steel talks to a much higher percentage of scrap steel. So bringing that from across different sources in the economy and then reforming it into a new steel product. So when we talk about concrete, is there such a thing as a net zero concrete? Again, an excellent question. And we can really talk to some of those key differences between steel and concrete sector. So there are lots of similar challenges when it comes to decarbonisation, but while net zero concrete doesn't currently exist, there are low emission concrete alternatives available now with new technologies and alternative materials that are continually lowering that greenhouse gas emissions and embodied carbon content. So we launched our concrete zero work in July this year specifically to support this sector and really contribute to the all-important terminology and definitions, the threshold of embodied carbon that we need to see from concrete going forward out to 2050. And we're bringing together, as we have with our steel and other work at Climate Group, a cohort of organisations on the demand side to really set ambitious targets. Looking to the 2050 100% net zero concrete and then in this instance with two ambitious interim targets of using 30% low emission concrete by 2025 and 50% by 2030. So who are you targeting through both the steel zero and concrete zero initiatives? We're targeting all of the organisations across the globe really, that are looking at and using these two material streams in their projects. And so quite naturally, that talks specifically to the built environment sector being a really key target area for both Steel Zero and Concrete Zero. And there are multiple members already that are looking at both of these different initiatives. And they're building this into their pipeline of specification documents and projects going forward. And really importantly, when we look at the kind of target of organizations that we're really supporting, it ranges right across the value chain. So from architects to designers, specifiers, engineers, contractors and developers, fabricators, stockholders, distributors. So really bringing together that consistency as well so that we can efficiently support the transition of both these sectors going forward. And we're really maximizing the way in which organizations can then tackle those carbon emissions in their live projects and then also in their future built environment projects going forward. When we talk to the geographical distribution of these different initiatives as well, we've focused the beginnings of that in Europe, but we launched our Steel Zero work formally in India a couple of months ago. And we'll be looking certainly to increase that influence in China, Japan and South Korea as major steel producing markets. And on the concrete side, with that launch in July, with members mainly headquartered in Europe, but also with offices um, across Asia and North America, the next phase of acceleration, we'd really like to support the US market in particular. And also worth noting that in a couple of weeks, I'll be heading to Dubai and with the Middle East and the COP presidency next year in 2028, that'll be another focus area for us to target support. 
So the members that are coming on board with the Steel Zero and Concrete Zero commitment and helping drive industry behaviour, what is it they're actually committing to? So we've talked to the long-term and near-term milestones of 2050 and then 2025 and 2030. And this is where they are committing to proportions of material use within their projects, meeting certain requirements, standards um, and specifications. So then talking to how are we actually driving that behaviour, we're harnessing that collective purchasing power and influence to shift not only the supply side of the market, so that through that deep supply chain integration, common terms of reference, translation into different documents and tender specifications, but also then a really important part of the work is to support progressive policymaking. And this is where work on our under two coalition with the regional and state governments that I mentioned earlier We'll be able to bring together that business and policy lens to drive that industry behavior and translate the work that we've been doing with the private sector commitments into progressive policy decisions. And you've mentioned that they're relatively new initiatives in the built environment. So who are some of your more prominent members? On the steel side, we've really looked to expand that work across key different consuming segments. So we've got the construction and property space, um, the likes of Lend-Lease and Multiplex, but also then really key conversations in the renewable energy infrastructure. So Ørsted, Iberdrola, Siemens Gamesa and Vattenfall are all members who have signed Steel Zero Commitment. Also Volvo Cars and SKF in the automotive space and Maersk in the shipping sector. And then when it comes to our concrete zero work, we've got really standout examples from organisations such as Rambol, Thornton Tomasetti, Canary Wharf Group and Lionel Rourke. Are you looking for a digitalisation and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes, so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward, wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit VinZero.com to find out more. And many of the organisations you're mentioning there already have their own robust net zero commitments. Why join Steel Zero and Concrete Zero initiatives? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you're absolutely right. Those organisations do have those net zero corporate commitments. But this is precisely why they then are looking at specifically across their activities on their scope one, two, and then scope three. How do they take that net zero commitment that they've set at the corporate level into tangible operational activity on the ground in key areas that they are building into projects. So there's also a realization that we certainly can't do this alone as a single organization. So joining Steel Zero and Concrete Zero, making that pledge, first focus the the attention on the two material streams that we're talking about to drive that internal change and learn from others, but then also looks to the fact that this is really around collective 
coordinated support across the supply chain. So there's lots of knowledge sharing and collaboration, building new partnerships up and down the supply chain, and then future-proofing businesses that they're taking forward. Then we know that there are going to be increasing requirements from a regulatory perspective or expectation from customers and investors to take action specifically on these more challenging sectors. So that's why we're really seeing a large increase and influx of attention on these two industries. For organisations perhaps that want to partner with the Climate Group or are passionate about the Concrete Zero or Steel Zero initiatives, how do they go about getting in touch with you? So please do have a look at our website. There's a wealth of information there that really goes to explain taking forward, but of course, also individually reaching out to the team. We have a really passionate and growing um, group that we're mobilizing across the climate group more widely in our London offices, but also then New York, Delhi and Beijing. So we're really looking forward to working with all of those ambitious and progressive businesses that are committed to formally and really tangibly taking forward and enacting what they want to see across these two different decarbonisation conversations. So what is it going to take to reach the goal of steel zero and concrete zero? Is it actually achievable? This is a really great question and this is really getting to the depth and heart of the discussion. It is absolutely achievable for us to take this forward and achieve what we need to in terms of the industry transition of both sectors, but it's absolutely predicated and depends upon action from not only businesses and governments, but also investors and customers and different communities coming together as an ecosystem to quickly and tangibly put in place the steps that need to be taken over the next 7.25 years, if we're going to get specific about when 2030 is arriving, and then out to 2050. And we have superb techno-economic analysis from the likes of International Energy Agency and the Mission Possible Partnership outlining what needs to happen from that perspective. So we know that it is possible from a technology and finance perspective, but we really need to get to the depth and detail of actual plans. So every different steel plant that's in operation or is being built on a greenfield site needs to put in place the transition plans to articulate to everyone how we can then support them on taking forward the decarbonisation of that production process. We also really need to see a shift in focus from not only talking about some of the swifter markets that will be able to achieve decarbonisation earlier, like Europe and the US. We absolutely need to be looking at Asia, across Africa and every single region so that we can bring them into the conversation and really understand what are the key issues here, such as technology support, the flow of finance and capital to enable the decarbonisation in Asia region or across India across Africa and China to bring that into the discussion and take forward how we're going to be decarbonising global supply chains. So in terms of foundational events for Climate Group, what do some of those look like? So in September each year, we are responsible for running Climate Week New York City. Um, This runs alongside the UN General Assembly and This is really a time where it's an example of that 
um, powerful interconnection between business and policymakers coming together to really think about and then enact. So we're bringing together these actors to discuss the pressing issues that we need to see for climate action globally. And one of the events that we ran was specifically looking at our steel and concrete heavy industry work. And here we focused on mobilizing conversation around the finance that needs to be channeled into decarbonizing both of these different production processes. And we had representatives from the Indian government, as well as key organizations such as the Climate Bonds Initiative, and Skanska US really bringing together and discussing from a variety of different angles what we need to see on mobilizing the flow of finance and capital into these different critical decarbonisation projects. So the work the Climate Group are doing through these initiatives is enabling leading organisations to come together in working groups. What is the purpose of those working groups? So the working groups and the task forces that we have as part of these two different initiatives are really vital to that knowledge sharing and boosting technical knowledge capabilities across the different organisations that we're working with. And so the purpose is to bring together those champions who are taking forward serious ambition and action to collectively drive what we need to see across the market and then tangibly articulate that in timeframes and specific material requirements as soon as possible. And so through their commitment, then we're also able to bring that consistency and one voice to then inform and support, as you mentioned, their policy and governments on regulatory action or different policy mechanisms that can be embedded into these conversations. And so Steel Zero, for example, published a global policy principles paper that talked to six key areas of this framework that need to be activated across all geographies, international, national and subnational layers to engage with policymakers and governments really in that productive, progressive way. So can you share with us a little more about some of the other strategic partnerships you have in terms of driving the conversation around the net zero commitment? The World Green Building Council, for example, is a really key partner of ours and have played a core role in taking forward in particular our concrete zero work. We've also been working with WBCSD, so the World Building Council for Sustainable Development, in conjunction with that Concrete Zero program. But this talks to a much wider ecosystem where we have, for example, the Women Business Coalition that Climate Group is a founding member of, which then also feeds into work that the Mission Possible Partnership is taking forward. I've already mentioned Responsible Steel and their critical role on creating that international standard and certification for crude steel. But there's even wider ecosystem of organizations who are such as the Industrial Decarbonization Program run by UNIDO, looking at green public procurement. So really complementing the work that we're doing on the private sector signal into then also public sector projects. And we know that certainly global construction is rapidly growing and therefore so too is demand for steel and concrete. How does this impact the transition to net zero? 
Well, first and foremost, I think it's really important to emphasize that material efficiency is always the first and foremost essential part of minimizing needs for materials in the first place. And then the circularity part of this conversation. So bringing materials back into the system. So we know that for every tonne of steel or concrete um, that we design out of a structure, we don't need to then manufacture it. And every tonne that we recover reduces what we need to manufacture. But still, we're going to need steel and concrete and the global construction space really rapidly growing. We talked about these different materials being the bedrock of modern society. So that's what creates a mandate for our work. And with this rapidly growing demand, it's really important that it's now that we take these important steps to decarbonize both of the sectors and get to that net zero reality and have businesses really setting those meaningful net zero targets on their emissions that are associated with these two different material streams. It's absolutely essential for us to really be tackling this problem now and shifting these markets. We don't have all of these answers now, but because of the importance and because of the rapidly growing nature of the construction sector, we really need to be honing in on some of these actions that we can take now, but then also collectively looking at how do we address them going forward. We know that countries have set their NDCs, net zero commitments. So we've got players in the market and industry across the demand and the supply side of the sector who are really looking for ways in which they can tackle this problem. And we need all players to mobilize and support and action of that. So really keen for everyone um, who's listening to this to think through yourselves in terms of the different responsibilities and roles that you have within the organizations that you're working for. How can you contribute and take forward these different opportunities and challenges? And certainly getting in touch with us around the Steel Zero and Concrete Zero programs, because the more organizations that we have making these different commitments and then working together to supportively shift markets and shift policies is going to really take this success to the next stage that we that we really need to see sooner. So Jen, when you think future and you look towards the outcomes that you're driving through Climate Group, we understand that we all have to work collaboratively together to drive these net zero outcomes. What is it that excites you the most? I think genuinely what excites me the most is seeing organizations and individuals within each of those organizations not just the demand side but also the suppliers and producers the investors and the policymakers genuinely thinking to the future and then taking that into partnerships or collaborations that they're developing with key customers or suppliers thinking about the hiring decisions that they're making into the new staff that they bring into their teams thinking to the future in terms of those policy conversations and specific mechanisms that are being put in place. So I am really excited about those different individual actions that are being taken across the whole ecosystem and then are building together so that we can make sure that that thinking to the future is really aligned with exactly the trajectory and also the pace of change that we need to be seeing. One thing that I would leave everyone with is that the pace of change and the speed with which the conversation has progressed within the heavy industry sector has been genuinely astounding over the last 24 months. 
the terminology that's being used, the way in which organizations are looking to change their operations, engage with different stakeholders, be they customers, investors or policymakers, has flipped. And so it's really exciting for us to just see all of that action coming together and thinking to that future trajectory that we need to achieve. Well, certainly we look forward to hearing about how Climate Group continue to drive the narrative towards net zero. And we thank you for joining us on our podcast today and we look forward to speaking with you again. Perfect. Thank you so much. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.